Welcome back, everybody, to Ready and Able, a podcast for the girls by the girls. Today, we have Goldie Plutzkin on to talk about how to have strength through hardship. Welcome. Thank you. First one, can you tell us um, about your own experience in this topic of dealing with hardships? You know, it reminds me of a story. Um, a chassid came to the uh, his Rebbe and he said, you know, you're supposed to be um, happy as much as when you have good news as when you have challenges. And his Rebbe told him, why don't you go to this and this chassid? And I think it was Reb Zusha and ask him. And he went to his house and he traveled and he saw the poverty and he saw the, 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 the lack of food and the lack of, you know, structure and there wasn't any heat and there was just so much, you know, so much of, of hunger in the house. And he, he's just watching all this. And then after a few days, Rebzusha says, so can you tell me why you're here? He says, I came to see how it's possible to thank Hashem for the good as much as it is for the bad. He goes, you're coming to the wrong person. I don't have any bad. <laughs> so you're asking me my challenges. You know what? We're living in Gullus. That's number one. So every single person is going to have challenges and pain because godliness, you know, elokus is covered. It's covered with a veil. We don't see the real essence and the beauty and the good in everything. So when the Rebbe would give brachas to people and he would say, I give you a bracha, so-and-so, you ever heard that expression? Mm-hmm. What does it mean, I'll explain it to you. Yeah. basically means it should be good in a way that you see the good. Mm-hmm. Because obviously the Abishur is called to have seller. The Abishur is only good. But the way it comes down to us from the from Hashem's throne till it comes down to us in our lowly world, it doesn't always come across good. And people's tragedies and people's hardships and people's health problems, of course there's a reason. Everything Hashem does has a reason. And Hashem isn't a God that punishes. We are a part of a Jewish people that is Kel Rachum Vechanan. We don't believe like the Catholics believe that if you do this and God's going to punish you, that's not the way we as Hasidim view the world. So we know that everything Nebuchadnezzar does is for the good. So what the Rebbe was benching us is that it should be good that we, me, simple me, simple you, should see the good. There should be none of this. Oh, if you look through this and you see this, and if you only see it through the eyes of the Abishu, you'll see the good. No, 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 no. I want to see it good like a simple woman like me living today in 2022, right? Mm-hmm. So I said that we all experiences mishaps and ups- upset and loss and, and struggles. So the question was, how do I deal with my struggles? Is that what you're asking? How to have strength during hard times and hardships that everyone, you know, deals with. So the greatest um, gift that was given to me, and because you're a Bistrifka student, it's given to you too. And that gift is Hasidus. Mm-hmm. It allows us to see things through a different lens. And it allows us to have hope and betachan that most of the population doesn't have. Strictly because we were raised 
with the teachings of Arabeim. And those of us who are raised in a Lubavitch home and a Lubavitch school, we don't even realize how the rest of the world doesn't see things the way we do. And they'll say to me, you're so positive and you're so upbeat. And to me, it's just the natural way we as Hasidim see things. Hasidus, mm -hmm. whether it's Tanya, whether it's Sichas, whether it's watching the Rebbe's for bring-ins, whether it's relearning Hayyam Yom, whatever makes you tick, then grab it and run with it. And that should be what you hold on to for life. Mm -hmm. You say that it's Chayim He, that this is this is my life. What is my life? Hasidus. The Hasidic interpretations of everything in halacha, in Torah, in every angle, the way Hasidus approaches it, if we be, allow that become what sets us on our journey, then go with that. Mm -hmm. That gives you tremendous strength. I think a lot of us have heard, you know, how great Hasidus is. And I think we all know Hasidus is very, very powerful. But um, I think also for a lot of people, it's it's kind of hard to actualize it into our lives. Like, we have Hasidus and we've grown up with Hasidus, but how do we make it personal and also like how we how we use it to like have a good positive outlook in life? Like we've all learned Tanya, you know, Chachman Bina Das, but like how do we how do we actually internalize it is I think a little bit harder for a lot of people. Yeah. So a lot of it comes with growth, mm -hmm. life. As you get older, these things become more internalized. But um, I've spoken to a lot of high schools and I, I found that um, specifically when I speak to the girls in Toronto, so I gave this analogy one year, they actually used it as their logo for their 12th grade sweatshirt. I told, I asked them the question, I said, how do you make pickles? Mm -hmm. Simple, everyone knows, you take cucumbers. What do you do? Have you ever made a pickle? Um, yeah, I think you do, like you put a bunch of, herbs in it and like leave it in a windowsill yeah. for like a few days so you throw in herbs you throw in garlic and dill and pepper and parsley and all the beautiful delicious herbs and salt and then you like you said you leave it somewhere in a dark closet or on the windowsill and after a couple of weeks the cucumber turns into a pickle and you take it out and it's like this is delicious now what if you want to take the pickle and just turn it back into a cucumber because you didn't realize you didn't really like pickles is that possible? No. Why not? Can't undo the chemical changes that it's taken. You can't, in simple terms, you can't unpickle a pickle. Right? Why? Yeah. Like you said, it's gone through a metamorphosis. It's gone through changes. And you can't undo what's been done. <laughs> Take a cucumber and immerse it in all of these herbs, something happens and you can never undo that. The same thing is with Hasidus. If we actually immerse ourselves, we don't even realize that what's happening to us is actually changing our perspective, our focus, our lenses, our feelings. It happens subtly, very slowly. But as you immerse in it, you become more aware and more comfortable. And it becomes your derech. You know, walk into a perfume store. If you walk in for a second, you walk out, that's it. But if you hang out and work in a perfume store, well, after a week, you are going to have a beautiful smell about you. It just happens because you are in that environment. 
So you said, yeah, I learned Chacham and Bina Das, and I and I agree with you because when I was in tenth grade, eleventh grade, Chassid this was a subject. It wasn't my life. It wasn't my outlook. But I didn't just allow myself to learn Italian. I went every single Shabbos to the Rebbe's Fabrengans, which when Mashiach comes, you'll do. But that's how I spent every Shabbos, 1.30 on the dot. Me and my friends were standing in the front row and we didn't leave until the Rebbe left 7.70. So a whole Shabbos, we were immersed in the Rebbe's Fabrengans. Did I understand everything? Absolutely not. I was 17, 18, 19. Did I understand the Rebbe? But the Rebbe's voice, the Rebbe's words, I began to become more accustomed to. The Rebbe's chayas, the chassidim's chayas, the Rebbe's call for action. Slowly over the years, this became who I am. And even though I grew up in Crown Heights, like you did, and my father was in business, and I wasn't raised on shluchas, that's all I wanted to do. Because after you spend enough years in the Rebbe's presence, or now watching the Rebbe's for bring-ins, specifically today in Matzah Shabbos, they always send the new the gem video, and you watch it. And my son leads Connection Point. And I don't know if you do it in high school, but they watch the Connection Point. They immerse themselves in the Rebbe's for bring-ins. Eventually, you realize, wow, I am a different person. I am thinking more positively. That thing that happened that wasn't good, I can understand now why it was for my benefit. Oh, that didn't work out? That's okay. And suddenly the Rebbe's inspiration and the whole way of the Rebbe's thinking, it rubs off on you and you start talking like that. Mm. Just what you're saying, just being around Hasidus and just yeah. absorbing it. Just without, a better mindset. without being stressed, like, oh no, oh no, I, I don't get it, I don't get it. Um, when's it going to happen to me? Don't let it happen to you. Just, Just go, yeah, go, go with the flow. Go with the flow, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people feel like after dealing with heavy things and dealing with big struggles, although everything is from a shaman, you know, when you deal with something very hard in your life, um, you know, some people feel like, you know, some people feel like it strengthens in their amuna, but some, for a lot of people, it makes them, uh, makes them question, you know, what, what is this that I'm believing in? Who is this God that I believe in? Um, right. What do you say on the matter? Do you think that it's strengthened you, made you question? What do you feel like? So I'm human just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And you have to question because Unless you're born a tzaddik, <laughs> we are all, we call ourselves here, the Bainini wannabes, right? That's yeah. what Tanya is, right? So we are all human with a nefesh Bahamas, a nefesh kiss, And at every juncture in our life, both voices, both souls are going to jump out to see who's in control. And it's very natural for you to, to be angry, to question, to scream out, to be furious at Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu was furious at Abishur. Avram Avinu, we're in good company when we do that. But at the end of the day, we also have, each of us should have a mashpia or a teacher or a mentor that we can throw out our questions at. Because wherever, whichever state we're in, we are consumed in our pain. And sometimes you need an outside 
voice, an outside set of eyes who can listen, empathize, validate, but then also help you along because they're going to be giving you strength that at the end of the day, the Abishur is your God. He yeah. is your father. You know, the, the example, because you have to remember, I get this question all the time from women in my community. It's probably the number one question that's out there for Jews everywhere. And the analogy that, that really resonates with me is as a mother, I would take my kids to, to the doctor to get the shots. And when they were six months old, they don't know. They cry afterwards. And that's, you know, they live with it for a couple of minutes. But when the child's already three, four, and five. They know what's coming. Yeah. office. They know when you say Dr. Mays, they know exactly what that means. And they start to scream. And they cry. And they have their tantrum. But you know that for your child's benefit, what do you have to do? You just you have to get them the shot. You got to get them the mumps, rubella, the, the measles shot. You must. If you're a responsible parent, you don't want your child to catch these illnesses. So you pick them up and you take them into the doctor's office and they're screaming. And I've had Baruch Hashem with eight kids. I had some that were, you know, were more placid. And there were some that literally, you know, trashed the whole doctor's office. And then you think to yourself now, so what did this three-year-old think? Here's my mother. She loves me. I know she loves me. But she's allowing me to be hurt by that guy? And she's even holding me down on the table? What a cruel mother that is. But then the second the shot is over, the child jumps into your arms for comfort. Mm-hmm. So what happened? So the Abishter has to, gives us sometimes the shot. And it's for our benefit. And we still kick and scream because we don't want that. And the analogy that I give is, that today many shots are given in a liquid potion and they actually taste delicious. So today you can get your shots and they don't hurt. And I always say to Abishter, if the doctors can figure out, can't you send us messages without the pain? So we always have to cry out to the Abishter, don't give us pain. Don't send my friend pain. Don't hurt my neighbor. You know, there's a lesson and there might be, and there will be good at the end. And there is always good because Hashem always is good. But don't let it come with pain. Soften it up. And when Mashiach comes, we know that that will be the case. There will be no more pain. But if we knew the reasons for pain, would that be a good thing? Let me ask you a question. If you knew the reason that someone lost a child, because we know the Abishter does everything with a meaning and a purpose. But imagine if you, as a human being, were given the insight, and all of us were given insight as to why that woman lost her child. We're crying out in pain. We're davening. We're saying to Hillel, we're sending money. We're doing whatever we can. But then Hashem says, you know, I'll, I'll tell you why. Do you think that would be a good move? No, of course not. Why not? Because then it just invalidates everyone's feelings. Exactly. And then nobody would be saying to Helen for anybody. And no one would be davening for anybody. And people wouldn't be benching lit with others in mind. The Abishad doesn't want us to know why people suffer. I think it was Eli Weisel, one of the greatest Holocaust survivors from Auschwitz. And someone kept saying to him, why did God do the Holocaust? Why did God do the Holocaust? And he kept saying, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And finally, one person nudged him so much. He says, 
if I give you the answer, you're going to become like a Nazi. He says, what? I'm a Jewish. He says, yes, because if, as soon as you know the reason for someone's pain and you go, ah, that's why she died young. Oh, oh that makes sense. So we're not privy to any of the pain mm -hmm. because the Abishu wants us to correct any pain and suffering. And that's what we do as a collective Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And um, Eli Wiesel also, you know, questioned, or not necessarily questioned, I think in the earlier years, um, I think basically what you're saying is that it's okay to be angry, but also like, first off, not to stop believing, but it's okay to be angry. And also that, you know that there's a reason up there, but you have to understand that you just can't know the reason. Because we're very small little people in Hashem's big world. Like I said, the child at the end of the day jumped in mommy's arms, right? Mm -hmm. As much as the child was upset about the shot, no one in the world loves me more than my mother. And no one loves me more than Hashem. So although he gave me a pain, he also always pads us. He allows us, he sets us up. We say, we're full of Nehemaka. He always sets us up with hope, with people, with circumstances that, that that gives us the, that carries us through the pain, so to speak. Because not having a God is way worse because then everything is a big fluke. And then when something bad happens, you know, you have no one to turn to. Oh my gosh. And then you're really just sucked into a hole of never ending depression. Um, so, um, I think for a lot of people, um, you know, we, like, we know that this is like an opportunity when something bad happens to us, this is God giving us an opportunity or a chance to change and do better. Um, but how do you think that you can be in a bad situation or dealing with something harsh and then change your mindset to think this isn't just a bad thing. This is an opportunity. This is a special mission for my son. How do you, how do you think it would people are able to switch that mindset. You know, it's amazing the the amount of people that I have met that have actually done incredible things. It defies the mind with in tragedy how people have built up and created. If you think of most of the if you think of most of the gamachs and most of the um chesed organizations in the world, they all started out of a tragedy. If you ever look into that, so many hospitals, so many rehab rehabilitation centers, so many friendship circles have started because someone had a tragedy and they want to do something good out of it. They lost a child, they built a yeshiva out of it. They lost a parent, they built a mikvah out of it. They, they take that pain and they build with it. And that, like when, when there was a tragedy in Kfar Chabad in the 1950s and the Babachers suffered a terrible tragedy. Terrorists came and killed um, a group of children and their Rebbe. And the, the, the Shluchim there said to the Rebbe, should we come back to America? And they said, not only should you not come back to America, but you should build more because through your building, you will find comfort. And I find that that's exactly the way the world works. Um, after I lost my Zalmi, so I, we had a, we, I gave birth to a little Down syndrome boy, as you heard, 19 years ago. And when he passed away, I think I actually told this story there, where when he passed away, um, you know, the first months and months and months were very, very, very trying. 
but we did a lot of learning. My family, my husband wrote an amazing book that he was already printing anyway for our community about death and mourning and neshamas, etc. So we had a lot of pieces of chassidus and things that we had uh, accumulated that we were studying together. But I used to do, go do a lot of speaking. I found that to be very, very comforting for myself. And um, I was in Connecticut speaking to a group of young moms. And there was a woman my age, maybe even older, that came to the event. And I was like, surprised because it was for mothers of young kids. So I went over to her and I said, oh, hi, welcome. Are you here for the lecture? She goes, no, I came to see how you put on your lipstick. And I said to her, really? Like, what's the big deal about my lipstick? And she says, well, I too lost a child um, about a year ago, she says, and I can't get out of bed. I, you know, today's the first time I got out of bed because my Rebbitson told me that you were coming to speak and I should meet you because maybe you can give me some comfort. So I think the way you deal with your pain is by helping others, by building others, and as I said, so many new, you know, organizations have come out of pain because you have this tremendous emotion and you need to do something. And you can either stay under bed and scream and cry and get depressed, or you can take that energy, that emotion, and just do something, and that is, it ends up being very comforting because you're doing something good for the neshama. And then when you learn, which my husband had done for many years and in his book, he talks about how the way we can connect with one who passed on is by sending them gifts. And what are the gifts? Mitzvahs. Because after a person dies, they cannot do even one good deed. So if you want to do something for a loved one, you can send them packages, which are mitzvahs. Um, yeah, so... Yeah. Um, so when you were dealing with the struggles of like having a child who was special and then losing him, um, did you ever feel like there were moments that was just too much to handle? And it was too much for you. Like, obviously you had, you had the um, Tanya that you learned and the Hasidus in your life, but even then, you know, for a lot of people, even having faith, there are times when you just, you know, yeah. it's too much for you. So that's, I want to go back to what I said before. Everybody must have a mashpia. Mm -hmm. And some people go see a coach or they see a therapist. And I would say you have to see someone who's a Yerushimayim. Absolutely. A therapist or a coach must be a Yerushimayim. Someone who believes in Torah mitzvahs. Uh, because you're vulnerable. You're very vulnerable. And you don't want to be guided to something that is not our way um but speaking to so two things so speaking to mashpia or a mentor and also speaking to people that have gone through the pain like you have so when i had zalmi i used to i became very close to anyone that had a special needs child especially down syndrome some of my closest closest friends today are mothers of special needs child children because for example we used to go to the kinnis so there was always uh, this organization called Yaldeh Shulcham used to do breakfast for mothers of special needs kids. 
And we would go, and then we became very close, a bunch of us, and we would end up spending the rest of the kinus, like hanging out either at a coffee shop or sometimes even in the bathroom, and just sheer notes about our Down syndrome child. We would laugh and we would cry and we would hug and we would cry and we would laugh and we would give each other a lot of chizuk. And that was the most priceless thing I can recommend. Finding someone that's in the same boat as you, but also someone that's positive. Because you don't want to speak to someone that is that has, let's say, a Down syndrome child where they're walking around depressed and neglected and their children neglected and they don't have any shown bias, their family's falling apart. That is not going to uplift you. You need someone that's similar to you, you know, upbeat, positive, has a lot of great gifts in their life, a lot of value, a lot of positivity. And this struggle, and when you talk about it, it becomes very therapeutic and also gives you a lot of, gives you a lot of ideas, a lot of guidelines. So I recommend like finding someone in your, so if someone lost a sibling, or they lost a child, there are groups, there are support groups for that reason. And people shouldn't say, oh, well, I don't need that. You need it. Go. Don't be such a big shot. Get involved. You can help others. They'll help you. And it really does help. So you're saying that when you're dealing with a difficult moment, you should find people who are in the same boat, basically. Finding people who have dealt with the same things is just what helps people through these moments. David Melech says it. David Melech says it. If you share with someone your pain and your problem, half of the problem is gone. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, just like visiting a sick person, you know? Yeah, yeah. But when you speak it over and you let it go, and then you someone else can see it from another view and they can help you, they can direct you, they can hold your hand, even if they don't give you suggestions, but just... Empathy and validation is mm-hmm. so, 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 so valuable. So it's not just for the advice. It's just being there with someone who knows what you've been through. Yeah, just to sitting with you in the moment, sitting with you in your space. And sometimes they don't have to say anything, but just listening. And friends, that's what friends are for. Friends are just to be good listeners. It's the biggest gift if you can be a good listener. I feel like for a lot of people, who have been through very difficult things. Everyone, you know, struggles, but for some people who've been through very difficult things, um, I think a lot of people feel like it changes them from who they were before to who they are now. Sometimes for the worse, for a lot of times for the better, you become stronger, yeah. deeper. Do you feel like you've felt that from before and after you've had your kid that you've just changed as a person? Oh, a zillion, trillion, no number. I was a typical New Yorker, fast, busy, loud, going, stand by the light in Toronto. And if there wasn't a green light fast, I was beeping away, go, it's green, you know, and standing on the lineup at the supermarket and someone's taking too long. And I'd be looking at my clock or that typical rat race New Yorker that I never realized I was until I left New York. It's very, and then, and so I came to Toronto and I really stood out. My husband said, stop beeping the horn. Then I had Zalmi. And suddenly everything took long. Everyone was slow. Everything Zalmi did was slower. He talked later. He got trained, toilet trained later. He walked later. He got learned how to dress himself later. Everything was way later. And I had to have patience. I couldn't just say, uh, Shambara, come downstairs. It's time to go to school. Everything took a long time. And it taught me patience. 
And I found that since I had Zalmi over the years, I never, ever beat my horn. And I'll stand on line. And if someone's counting all her little pennies and her nickels, I'll just stand because this is the way it is. Everybody has their pace. So it's changed me. It also made me, um, of course, it, all of my, my whole family became way more sensitive to anything with special needs, anyone with special needs, much more empathetic and much more understanding. And, you know, after Zami was nifter, there's a little boy in our show that's Down syndrome. He comes to show and he sits next to my husband and Tari Davini. And just the way my husband takes care of him, the community is so, you know, a rabbi will do years ago, you know, pat you on the little head and go sit down with your dad, you know. But my husband has so much love for this little boy because we understand who he is. We understand his beauty and his holiness and his special neshama and his challenges and his inability to speak well, right? So it changes us and only for the better, only, only for the better. Like Hashem doesn't make mistakes. So clearly that was one of the things that I had to, I had to learn, obviously. And there are things that happen to all of us every day. We all witness things. We all see things. We all experience things. And everything that happens along the way is meant to be a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that happens. When we talk about Hashkach Pratis, you know, if you sat in a class next to a certain girl or you were on the bus and someone fell or you were at an airplane and someone lost their wallet, these are all things for you because you have to do something about it. Right? The Bashem says you notice something because it's part of your tafkid. So, of course, having a, something significant as a special child it was clearly because all of us and the community seems to say that they all learned. The whole community benefited from it. It wasn't just my family. Everybody. We all, all, all benefited from it. Do you also feel like, um, I, I know for a lot of people who've dealt with any kind of struggles, just besides for the personal thing that they learned from that struggle, just dealing with hardships and difficult things in life just leads to like a certain depth that you have that um, people who, like everyone deals with stuff, but people who haven't necessarily had very big things happen to them, um, you know, they they don't have that necessarily that depth of somebody who's struggled and come out from the better, you know, like who they see it, see life a little differently. People who've been through dark moments. Obviously, obviously, but you know, everybody's nishama has a different tafkid when it comes down into the world. So some nishamas have to go through certain struggles and some nishamas have different trajectories and we don't know what everyone's life is. We can't look back and say, oh, they look at like such a smooth life. First of all, like we know, no one knows what's going on behind closed doors, right? So to say she's not struggling and I'm struggling and they're not struggling, nobody knows anything, only the Abish knows. But other than that, we know that there's no mistake, the doesn't make mistakes. And exactly my struggle was meant for me because I needed it. And I hope it adds depth. I hope some people, if they're just angry, um, then unfortunately it doesn't create depth. It just makes anger. And then it can be a very big, a double tragedy because A, they they struggled and B, they haven't benefited and learned from it, Mm -hmm. right? 
So anything that happens to us, it doesn't have to be a struggle to give you depth. It could be just being involved, for example, in friendship circle and being involved with special needs children for a few years. You maybe don't have to have your own child that's like that, but just being around them can give you depth and can give you empathy and getting close to those families and helping out with those families and giving the mother a break because you know the mother needs time. That also gives you depth, right? You don't always have to go through a struggle to be deep. Mm -hmm. Um, so what advice would you have for people who are also dealing with real, like, struggles and tragedies in their life? Um, you've already told us, you know, Hasidus and being together with other people who are struggling. Is there any other advice that you would give? Um, I think make sure you take care of yourself physically. Allow yourself time to heal. Go for walks, fresh air. Like really just take care of yourself. Like don't push yourself. Um, like I said before, speaking to a friend, a mashpia, but just allowing yourself to enjoy the beauty that Hashem did give in your life and enjoying that with friends, with family. Maybe you need to get away for a few days. Maybe you need to go sit by the water, you know, take your little breaks throughout the week that you need just to give yourself the strength um, but I really do feel like learning because learning gives you depth and it gives you insight into life that you don't normally get just by letting wounds heal. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's like, you know, there's a band-aid solution or there's actually going in and finding out, you know, what's the deal with the boo-boo and really from inside out. So I think that's what like go back to the beginning. That's what Chassidus does. Mm -hmm. it, it takes care of our wounds, but in a very holistic and deep, real, lasting way. Mm -hmm. You're saying it's not just like a little band-aid. It goes deep into the problem and like fixes it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so you've said Chassidus. What specifically in Chassidus or what part of Chassidus do you think is like really helpful for these kind of things? Well, in the beginning, right when Zalmi was born, and I was having a very hard time because I had a bunch of kids at home and especially his child, and I was running my Chabad house and I was running my school. And it was very, very hard. So I would learn with my father, Perik, Prakim Chavav and Chavzayim in Tanya, which talks a lot about Atzvus and Marirus, which really means sadness and depression. And that there's room for sadness and it's okay to cry and it's okay because we're human. Um, but what is not recommended and you have to be very careful about it. It's like what I said when that woman didn't come out of bed, that's depression because sadness really becomes an impetus for growth. You're sad about something. So you decide you're going to go do something. Right? So that was my first step. I had to deal with my sadness then I started learning Tanya from the beginning, from Perak Aleph, and learning about my spiritual anatomy and understanding that I have the Nefesh Bahamas and I have the Nefesh kiss and who am I? And I'm not just my negative thoughts or my negative feelings. That's my Nefesh Bahamas. I'm really, my Nefesh kiss and Nefesh Bahamas has to, to be able to give me right? to be able to give me free will. I have to have 
those two voices. Otherwise, there would be no free will. So just learning that and, and then visualizing that, okay, maybe today wasn't a good day. Maybe I am angry at Hashem, but that's not really who I am. And now I don't have to hit myself more because look at you, look at you, you're a shlucha. You're such a liar. You're such a, you're putting on such a mask. You know, you're, you're teaching Yiddishkeit, but inside you have so many doubts. Now I know, I know what it's coming from. It's coming because I am a composite of two nefashas. The Nefesh will kiss and Nefesh Bahamas. And this is going to be my struggle and your struggle every single day, every single minute. And knowing that and going along with it, so I have good hours and not such good hours and I have better times and less worse. And if I fall down, I get back up because we're human. And, the, and then also like a lot of concepts of, you know, that was such a powerful concept. You could be in this dark space in a moody space but your mind can overrule your emotions and you don't have to let your emotions rule you and that's something that that the Altrebbe focuses a lot on and not allowing negative thoughts into your mind the Altrebbe says take your hands and push out those thoughts he uses like these physical visuals because Sometimes you could be wallowing in your negativity and you think, you know, there's nothing I can do. I'm just a lost case. But when you realize, no, 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 no. I am in control of my thoughts and I can replace those negative thoughts by doing something else because you can only think of one thing at a time. So if I quickly go and call a friend or I go out for a walk with a good podcast or I go for a run or I go to, I keep talking about going to the water because I'm a, a, a water person, specifically because I live in Toronto and there's no water near me. But um, but just the, the uh, understanding that Chassidus explains that you can take your machshavis and you are in control of your, of your machshavadiba maisa. That is so liberating. Right, that we are in control, and when we work on that, you know, the question always asks is, who's the one that rules you? The nefesh Bahamas or the kiss? Well, it depends who you feed the most. <laughs> so, just knowing that and empowering yourself with that is very, 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 very powerful. Um, you mentioned that the Alter Rebbe talks about, you know, like it's okay to be sad, but you can't fall into depression. What do you think? is the difference, how you like to tell the difference for. Okay, so sadness is a part of life, right? Someone loses a chas from a child, someone loses a fortune, someone loses their home. The human condition is that you will be sad. If you weren't sad, there's probably something wrong with you, right? We all have a heart, we all have feelings, and that brings sadness onto our, our life. But if we allow ourselves to stay in this space too long and it pulls us down. We get into what's called this, this, this spiral. It's this depression of everything now is bad. And the fact that I'm breathing, that's bad. And the fact that I still a roof over my head, that's bad. And there's nothing good. And there's no light. And everything's horrible. And, and you know, kids say that, right? You take away their the lollipop, and I hate you, and I hate my father, and I hate my mother, and I hate my brothers, because, because that's how babies think, everything. It's very, very black and white. But as humans, and specifically mature people, and we have a neshama, we would say to ourselves, 
Not everything is black and white. There's a lot of gray. And we can choose if we're going to allow ourselves to stay in that black. Or like we say every morning right when we wake up, Maita'ani. We have to start showing gratitude. And what I always recommend to women who are going through a lot of sadness, I say to them, let's make a list of the things that are going good in your life. Let's make a list of things that you're grateful for and things that you absolutely can stand. And usually their list of gratitude is very, very long. And their list of things that aren't great is not as big and is not as long as they thought. And writing it down was a tremendous opportunity for them to see clearly, wow, my life isn't that bad. Okay, so I lost the job. And right now it seems like it's the worst thing, but I have A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then they go just rattling off all these beautiful things. So if you're sad and it allows you to move up with that, like take that sadness and do something with it, right? We were we were sad about our child. He wasn't going to be, they say normal, became typical. But all of a sudden it allows us to see the side of him that was beautiful and godly. And he was, my children just saw the fact that he was a Halakon Shama, and we celebrated that. And from this sadness, we celebrated beautiful things. And like my children today are very, very, very balanced, healthy children, I believe, because they lived with this, might have been a broken child because he, his body looked broken and his physical limitations were very real. But we were able to look deeper inside and go, wait, wait, this kid has, has a special neshama. Let's focus on that. And we and when we did, we saw like the cutest things. We had so much fun with Zombie. I mean, the the when my family wants to have a good time, we'll watch Zombie videos. When my grandchildren come over, they just want to watch Zombie videos. Like, what could be so much fun about Zombie? Isn't that a tragedy? No. Depends on how you looked at it. We looked at it. that Abishta gave us a halakha neshama that was holy and perfect, and our family was chosen to take care of him for 15 perfect years. And um, you mentioned that when, like, when you're learning Tanya and learning Hasidus, like, one of the things is you have to, like, step back, right, and realize what you have. And what you're saying about, um, you know, gratitude and I think a lot of these things that the, the Alter Rebbe knew, they're in modern psychology now a lot of the things that when people go through things they go to therapy and they they tell them you know be gratitude one of the main things that they teach you in mindfulness is like being grateful how to have gratitude writing all these things um you know you that's kind of like cognitive behavioral therapy like for would you agree that this is all just it's like the alter already knew all this yeah yeah we're talking about over 200 years ago Mm -hmm. the alter knew things that is becoming more acceptable and more popular now. And, it, and it's very helpful today. But those of us who have the gift of chassidus, we already have it. It's mm-hmm. in our pocket. We have to take it out, though. We have to take it out. Mm-hmm. I think some people are maybe like a little bit scared of going to therapy when dealing with these things. Do you think that that um because all of this is in therapy, or do you think it's it's useful to go to therapy and deal with your issues and things that have happened to you. What are your, what's your thought on that? So it's interesting. I, 
you know, today we have a lot of coaching. There's a lot of a lot of emphasis today on coaches. A coach is a mashpia. <laughs> That's what a coach is. And some mashpias are more experienced, so they have maybe some more um, terminology. But just knowing that you can speak to someone, yeah. You know, a, a friend of mine said when her son dates girls, he she wants to know that her, the girl that her son is dating goes to a coach. I go, really? She goes, yeah. Can I at least say no? If they have an issue, they know there's someone to talk to. You know, <laughs> instead of holding it in, she's talking to someone. So I find that very healthy. That was an interesting comment. Um, but I do believe that everyone has to have really a good friend or a good mentor. And if there is something that's troubling you, then speak to a parent and say, can you set me up with a coach or a from therapist that you feel has the Torah hashkafer? And I would like to, you know, just to, if there's something on your heart and it's weighing on you and it's stifling you and it's, and it's holding you back from developing or growing, yeah, you have to speak about it. You have to unload it. Sometimes just unloading it frees you. It just frees you up, frees as an F-R-E-E-S. It allows you to just to continue upward. Sometimes there's something that holds you back. And when you just speak it through, it's like, wow. Speaking to a parent, I find, is so healthy. Mm -hmm. For a young girl, if you're close to your mother, you're close to your father, speaking to a parent is so healthy because no one loves you more than your parent. And if you have that relationship that you could, and I always hope that everyone has at least one. If you have both that are you're very close to, is great. At least one that you can just go for a walk and just bear your heart. And they can help you see it from another angle. And suddenly you get another view on it. And it's not as bad as you thought. And they can give you some ATSIS and some guidelines. And it really can help. But definitely not holding things back. It's so painful to hold something back. And then it stifles you. And it... It stunts your your growth, you know, emotionally, physically, intellectually, in every way. Mm -hmm. um, so there are some people who don't necessarily have, unfortunately, parents that they feel like they can talk to, be it they actually can't talk to them or they just don't feel safe enough to talk to them or for their own personal reasons, they just don't want to. But um, what advice do you think? Is it is it something you can go to a friend with? I guess depends on how heavy the situation is. Do you think yeah. you need a setup with somebody? Sometimes a friend can't necessarily handle it. Do in my understanding that Bistrifka has social workers, um, or guidance counselors? I think so. Yes. Then that would be a good start. Someone that understands us, because it's from Chabad women, we're different than you know the rest of the world. Rest of the world, whether they're therapists or secular therapists, they. Their hashkaf is different than ours, so their suggestions might not really be what we're looking for. Uh, they throw in the towel too quickly sometimes, like well, in relationships, you know, they'll be very quickly for divorce, as opposed to a from marriage counselor will work harder because they understand the whole premise of a marriage is holy and you don't get divorced so fast. We try things first. And I think it's the same thing as with high school girls. If there's really something that's sitting on you, speak to a guidance counselor, speak to a counselor, and there are really a lot of from therapists that I really believe Lubavitch ones here, or even from ones, let's say in Flatbush, if you don't want to go to someone here, you know, if, 
today, it's a funny thing, but today, everyone I know goes to a, a coach or a therapist. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like I have women in my community go, oh, I can't come to a class that day. I see my therapist. And it's like, it's like I'm going for a coffee. I'm going to my therapist. It's like <laughs> life is stressful these days. And there's a lot today. And girls have their phones. And there's a lot of things. And people are seeing things they shouldn't see. And they're hearing things they should have never heard. And it, 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 obst- it obstructs our growth. And we got to talk about it. And clear the ear. And then, and then move on. If you were to leave us with one more word of advice for people dealing with stuff and dealing with hardships and such, what what advice would you give us just to leave us off? One of the questions someone asked me when you sent, I don't know who sent me the questions. On a, on a, in, a, in a typical morning when my zombie didn't want to go to school, I, my husband and I both had to run. He had to run to, school, to work, to the Chabad house. I had to run to my preschool. And here's Zalmi. He's not budging. He's not going to school. And I didn't have anyone at home to watch. And Zami weighed at this point, like maybe 185 pounds. He was huge. And I couldn't carry him into a car. And no matter what we bribed him, he wasn't budging. I'm not going. I'm not going. No, 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 no. And I was losing it. So I would go into my dining room and have a big picture of the river. And I would stand in front of the river. And I would say to the river, no river. I'm a shluchas for you. I'm working for you. And I'm so happy I'm a shlucha. But I can't be a shlucha with all of this pain. And right now, I need your help. I just need you to pull some strings because I can't do this on my own anymore. I'm begging you, Rebbe, just give me a hand. It's three, you know, it takes the Abishter and parents to give birth to a child. Please tell the Abishter that he's got a kick in. Like I was very, <laughs> had a very open dialogue. And the weirdest thing, but literally like within three minutes, Zami would just jump up and he would put on his coat and he would go into the carpool outside. And I would laugh. Like I'd say to myself, could it really be? Could it, does it make sense? But I feel like when we have bitachan and when we infuse ourselves with davening, with taira, with mitzvahs, with learning, with having... The good, the right frame of mind. We align ourselves with the Abishter, and the Abishter helps a lot. You know, when you learn the book Shar B'tachan, the Sefer Shar B'tachan, one of the things that Ben Vachaya says there is that when you put all your trust in Hashem and He sees that you don't rely on anyone else, then He kicks in because He knows you are only relying on Him. But if you rely a little bit on Hashem and a little bit on someone else, then you're really on your own. Learning the Sefer Sharpetachan for me has been a lifesaver. And I teach it. So I give a class on it. I teach it. I learn it myself. I learned it with Rabbi Shaystow. So I've read the book, many the Sefer, many times. I feel like really holding on to the Abishter. I'll just leave you with a little story. Mm-hmm. There was a Rebbe, not a Chabad Rebbe, his name eludes me right now. He was in that one of the concentration camps. And in his barrack was a secular Jew. And this river would, you know, they shaved off everyone's head. So everyone looked equal. Like you couldn't tell who was from and who wasn't. And this river became very close with the secular Jew. And they would have conversations 
all during at night when they went to sleep, they would discuss, how could you believe in God? Where's God? God's so cruel. And this Rebbe would, the blah, the blah of Rebbe. And the blood Rebbe would keep saying to him, no, but the Abish has a plan and there's a reason and hold on to him. And the second that you really thought was ridiculous. One night, the Nazis came into the barracks and told him, everyone get out right now and stand in the middle of the, the yard. And the freezing weather, they all stood outside and there was a huge pit that had been dug for weeks before, massive pit. And the Nazis, Yamach Shemam, stood there with their rifles and they said to everyone, you better jump over that pit. And if you don't make it, they show their gun. So most Yidden were so hungry and so tired, they couldn't make it over the pit. It was a huge pit. So they ended up falling in and they were shot to death. It was the blush of Rebbe's turn. And the secular Jew was next to him. And the secular Jew says to him, Rebbe, don't make a fool out of yourself. Don't give the Nazis a pleasure. Let's just walk into the pit and that will be the end of our pain. Blazaro says, no, I have betach until the last minute. I am going to crawl, jump over the pit. Let's say the Shema together. And the secular Jew who didn't believe in God covered his eyes and they both said the Shema. And the Blazaro said, now jump. And they gave a look. They both made it over the side of the pit. So they look at each other in shock. The blush river looks at the, the Jew. The Jew looks at the Rebbe. And they go, we made it. So the secular Jew says to the Rebbe, how did you make it over the pit? You're an old, sick man. He says, I was holding on to the coattails of Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Meishabenu, all the great tzaddikim, my Zedim, my Elta Zedim, my father. I was holding on to their coattails and they schlepped me over the pit. Then he looks at the Jew and he goes, but how did you make it over the pit? And he says, I was holding on to your coattails. I really believe that in life, we are fortunate that we have coattails of the greatest people, whether they're our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, whether they are the Rabbeim, the Rebetzins, whether they're from Avram Avinu, whoever resonates with you, hold on to those coattails and you'll never, never get stuck. Well, it was a very powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing and thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. We really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you all for joining us and we'll see you all next week.